Hey, it's T. Frank. Welcome to the BWI Monday live show. For those of you that remember, last year we used to do this at noon where myself and the experts from Blue White Illustrated would come on our YouTube channel and discuss all the things that went on the previous week, recap the game, talk about what's coming up next. We're doing that again, and you can be a part of the conversation. Leave your comments in the chat, and we'll talk to you about what happened uh, yesterday. Sorry, excuse me, Saturday with Penn State and Auburn. That's coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition. Penn State's two top insiders with me tonight, which I guess that by definition makes me an outsider. Ooh, oh, cool. stop. <laughs> Sean Fitz and Nate Howard no here joke. with us. <laughs> oh, then you were lied to, my friend. All I got is bad jokes. <laughs> Welcome to the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, Sean Fitz, and uh, Nate Bauer with us. We're recapping Penn State football, playing Auburn, and playing very well at football in Auburn. Um, so we're going to go through some of the important players and storylines coming out of that game to start the show. And then we're going to get into some of the other subcategories, interesting topics coming out of Saturday. Uh, during that time... We encourage you. We don't have a mailbag right now. Uh, we're not really, we don't have a really spot in the lineup right now for the mailbag. So if you want to get your questions in, this can be a de facto mailbag uh, bits and pieces of that. But what we're going to do is we're going to get to everything from Monday. So uh, you guys on Thursday, and I believe very wisely, everyone was saying, we're going to learn about Penn State football this weekend. We're going to learn something about Penn State this, uh, this coming weekend. So Fitz, I want to start with you. What did we learn about Penn State football on Saturday? What did we learn is a tough question because you have to take into account the opponent. Auburn, not that good, but the, <laughs> what you saw was something different than you've seen with Penn State than, over the last couple of years. They went in there and controlled. I mean, I know it was 14, what, 14 to 6 at halftime, but they controlled them. They controlled the tempo. They just absolutely flattened them in the second half, and that's something that we haven't seen since what Maryland 59 nothing pit you know the the the, the running it up on pit at, at Heinz Field Shore Stadium if you will um so you haven't seen such a domination like that for a long time over a perennial quality team and it was just uh, amazing to see them turned on four turnovers and it was not there's there's my dog that's the uh, <gasps> hello uh, <laughs> we have a special guest awesome <laughs> so anyway um Thank you. Um, you know, they just they just went out and did what they had to do. And beyond that, uh, and it was what four turnovers, but it wasn't like Auburn was just handing them the ball, as you see sometimes. It was Penn State going out, forcing turnovers, creating chaos. And that's what you love to see on defense and offensively. I mean, you just love to see Nick Singleton. I'll lay it off to Nate for that one because Berks County, I know that he's it's mine. Contractually it's obligated away. to mention that. Um, it's just uh it's fantastic, fantastic performance all around. Yeah, Nate is our resident Nick uh, Singleton expert, and I want you <laughs> so, to I want you to uh, set the record here because mm -hmm. talking to some people, hearing some things, I've been told he prefers Nicholas. We called him Nick on the show, and I know that uh, you know better than most. So, should I be referring to him as Nicholas or Nick? And then I'll ask my real question coming up after that. I don't know. I've been I've been told that it's okay. I, I mean, I get okay. it. I think that that's All the right. preferred is Nicholas, but I, I just I'm gonna stick with with Nick. His his usernames on social media are all Nick Singleton. So okay, right. All so right. Let's let's go there. 
Before we get to that, we finally got him. Steven Lisko has been here on the channel yes. with us since the very beginning. He is now a $1 member at Blue White Illustrated. I love this. We're making converts. So if you want to be like Steven, if you don't know what he's talking about, first off, you can join Blue White Illustrated for exactly $1 and get 12 months of inside access, notebooks, film studies, insider and recruiting, all that stuff. We have literally covered from more angles than anybody else could possibly do, and maybe even more than you can view from. So subscribe for a dollar, get 12 months of access like Steven, and you get all of that great stuff. Okay, so Nate, <laughs> the last 20 carries for Nick mm -hmm. Singleton have been pretty important. Yeah. How have they defined him so far? And how have they defined Penn State through the first two, uh, the last two weeks? Yeah, I, I mean, look, he is showing the ability to hit home runs. That That's, to me, that's it is it's the difference between a guy who picks up eight to 10 and a guy who picks up 80. And after Ohio, the conversation was, yeah, but it's Ohio. And so Nick Singleton turning the corner and breaking towards the end zone, uh, you know, up the sideline and, and just outrunning everybody was kind of, I, I think given a little bit of, uh, a cynicism, right? Just a, a question of, hey, like, is this for real? Can he do this against better opponents? And actually, if you read through the YouTube comments on some of other other videos, that's exactly what the conversation was. So for him to go down to Auburn, and let's be clear here, uh, his first four carries, right, of the game were worth 10 yards total. He, he didn't do a whole lot with the first touches that he had. But then when he breaks off a 53-yard run, and sets up a touchdown that truly changed the game, right? Uh, upends it from a 14 to six game into a 21 to six game. And, and that was, that was it, right? Like the, if you wanted to watch the floodgates opened, it started with Nick Singleton. And so I think to do that against an Auburn defense that let, let's have a couple of truths here. Auburn's offense. Not great. Yeah. Not it uh, actually was better passing the ball in the first half than I thought that they, they had any business being. And came back to I agree with that. Yeah, right. I mean, some of those passes uh, and and some of those catches, honestly, were were not something that I think any of us expected. Uh, Penn State shored that up, obviously, but in the second half, uh, that that offense was was what we thought it was. The defense, however, was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good off, uh, Auburn defense, and for Nick Singleton to do that against that defense, I just think bodes very well for not for uh, again, not for oh he's he's gonna assuredly give you four yards of carry, five yards of carry. That was the line on Saquon Barkley. Is look, you might bottle him up a little bit, but at some point that's gonna run out, and this kid's gonna yeah. get, and that's gonna be it. And that uh, doesn't matter. I mean, it, it that was the same thing with Saquon is, oh, he's got, what was what did Nick have? Eight carries for 17 yards aside from his two big carries. Yep. He's got those two big carries. It doesn't matter. I mean, you, yeah. you've got these home runs and, and you know, you'd like to see a little bit more consistency there, but I mean, it's it's not necessarily a, a need for this offense. And I think it's it's really cool to see this offense sort of mature, see, see Mike Yurcich get comfortable with calling, you know, he, Nick Singleton is going to do some things that move some safeties around and change looks for everybody. And that's really, I think the, the biggest thing that you take away from it. And it's just, it's so much fun. I mean, it's more fun when they score points. I don't think I'm saying anything crazy here, more yeah. fun when they score points, more fun when they do it on big plays. 
um, and and more fun when you against Auburn. I mean, that there's legitimate athletes on that team. I mean, let's and, let's. And- Ohio, you have that question. Sorry, I'll get to you in a second, sure. T. Frank. Ohio, you have that question, as Nate said. But if even if Auburn's guys aren't the most skilled, they can run. I mean, they're, they're playing the SEC for a reason. Yeah, and it's what I was just going to say is that it's interesting because it's something new that we haven't seen in the last couple of years. We haven't seen it since, you know, Journey Brown and, and Saquon Barkley to have that element in the offense, which presents you with something new. Part of this conversation, you know, we can't focus solely on Nick Singleton. Uh, did either of you expect the performance that the offensive line had? Because 245 yards overall doesn't come from just one guy breaking off two runs. That was a consistent performance from a couple of players uh, and maybe not the most even performance overall, which I think reflects in some of the things you're saying. But, you know, did did either of you see that coming uh, Fitz, you talked about how good the athletes were did you expect penn state's offense to be as consistent at being able to run the football as they were no really didn't i mean we, we haven't seen it for two years now so why would you expect to see i mean nate, nate and i are big wait and see guys and we we've seen improvement with the offensive line in the last couple of weeks and you know you wondered how much of that was ohio and how much of that was was penn state actually making progress and you've seen that i think the the offensive line from left tackle to right guard has been a really, really good bright spot for Penn State. And they still have room to improve. I think that's the biggest thing to take away from that. Still got to patch up that right tackle side. Um, but yeah, I did, did not see that performance coming on the ground. And not just with Singleton, I thought Katron Allen. Uh, you know, it would be funny if, if there was no Nate, Nate Singleton, we'd still be propping up Katron Allen because that's a really good back yeah. right there. He does a really a lot of things really well. Uh, that touchdown where he changed direction and went back uh, was was excellent. So, I mean, he's he had a lot uh, a lot going for him. So I'm I'm just very impressed. Um, continue to make that progress. You've got a really good schedule right now. Where you can set up with Central Michigan and Northwestern before that big matchup in Michigan. Obviously, not looking too far ahead, but that's a that's a really good opportunity for this offensive line. Yeah, he's got more subtle skills, I'd say, than uh, Nick Singleton's in-your-face speed. So, Katron Allen, and a great compliment, too, to to what Nick Singleton does. Uh, Dave coming in here, he's been saying this in the chat for several uh, weeks, months, maybe all year. He says, T. Frank and Nate, you guys know I've been saying this since the summer. 2022 Big Ten Champs, baby. Thanks for the donation to the channel, Dave. Uh, Super Chats are open. If you want to donate to the BWI YouTube channel, we very much appreciate it. Helps us to keep doing stuff like this, interacting with you live on YouTube. So uh, if you want to be like Dave and you want to uh, to donate to the channel, appreciate that quite a bit. But he's got a another good point in here. Let me find it. And this is the thing I got to do every video. Make sure you like the video. Help us out with this algorithm. Help us out with this video. Get it to 500 likes so that we can... Uh, we can spread the good word about Penn State football and what we're doing here with Blue White Illustrated. Um, the running game as a whole going forward, Nate. I want to address the Big Ten champs. I mean, does, does he not have okay. a... Let's let's be honest here, Fitz. Did we not talk about this earlier today? We did. We talked about... I think you were talking more playoff because I think the, the Big Ten champs is, is, you know, it's kind of a different road there. It it is. I think that I think that the point right now is to there are two conversations that are being had because uh, obviously after Saturday, Central both, Michigan both not, way too far out ahead of us. But anyway, I, I know, I know. <laughs> but but let, let me make my two points. One, the rest of the Big Ten stinks, and two, Ohio State and Michigan now become these two elite games that you have to play. But if you can split those two games. All of a sudden, you're talking about the prospect of an 11-1 season. And so Big Ten champs might be out of the question, but 
Uh, well, I mean, it's out of the question. Well, no, it would be out of the question if you split it. But yeah. <laughs> again, point being, uh, is there some rationale behind Dave's optimism? Maybe. Maybe. So th- this is this is and I, I had the, pl- the displeasure of watching J.J. McCarthy uh, this weekend. So, you know, I'll give you an idea of what I think of Michigan's chances this year. <laughs> that that particular conversation is something I was going to get to a little bit later, but let's get to it right now. How much of this is tied to this freshman class? Because we're going to talk a little bit about Abdul Carter. We might as well rip the Band-Aid off, talk about him right now. James Franklin has talked about getting players involved midway through the season and kind of the, the second wave of this team. Kind of feels like the waves are here a little bit earlier, doesn't it, Fitz? Absolutely. Um, you, you look at Abdul Carter, you look at, at and beyond singles. I mean, Singleton is a guy that we expected to come in and play right away and, and have a, a, an impact, probably a sizable impact about what we've seen so far. You've got Drew Aller out there. You've got uh, KJ Winston playing. Okay, Tron Allen, we mentioned earlier. I mean, you've got a ton of uh, of this this youth movement coming on. These kids can play, and I think that is something when you look at the ro- or when you look at it from a roster building standpoint. Penn State's done a pretty good job. They're they're starting to stack classes. You would like a little bit more consistency in some spots, like the offensive line, but the kids are coming into play right away, and and they're making that competition known in that building, and that's just going to help you. That's going to I don't, I don't want to say filter out the, the guys ahead of you that aren't playing, but uh, that's that's really what's going to happen. And, I mean, you, you, you've got your seemingly franchise running back. Can probably just say the same about quarterback, even though that's a little bit you know a little bit early to get into it. And then yeah. a, a guy like Abdul Carter, three games into his career, looks generational. I mean, that that that's absurd when you think about it. And and I'm not, I'm not a guy that likes to put the, the cart in front of the horse, but uh, you can't deny some of these guys coming in and, and doing it. So I'm excited to see what happens. Like I said, it, it needs a little bit more consistency and spread out over a couple of uh, different positions. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got, uh, you've got something cooking there. And after the last couple of years, I think this fan base is, is really, really, uh, you know, pining for it. And it's, it's really cool to see because I don't know that there is a, conscious decision that that James Franklin made that said, okay, we just got to go with the kids and go take our lumps and go with it. But I mean, it's whatever he's doing, it's, it's, you know, put life into this program. Nate, going back to 2019, we, I thought, I think I had this conversation with you where everyone told was the, the narrative was wait till 2020, Micah Parsons, Adafi Owe, this class is going to yeah. be great. They got there a year early. Are the, do you see parallels with this group considering, you know, what we just talked about, some of these young players, there's more of them. And, uh, you know, I think Fitz was right saying it's spread out a little bit more than it was in that group. Is is that the conversation we're having of, sure, they can compete for a Big Ten title in the sense that they're back to where they were, competing every year for a Big Ten title? I, th- I think it's a, a blend of things. First, I think it's a reflection. Like, it's funny how success within classes tends to follow recruiting rankings to a certain extent, right? Like it's not, (laughs) this isn't rocket science. The more good players you have, the the better your opportunities are to hit on some of those players. You're not going to hit on all of them, but you're, you're going to hit on a good amount of them. And that's, that's showing up. You're, you're seeing it this year. Abdul Carter was not, a slouch, right? It's not like he's coming out of nowhere. There were some expectations for him. He might be better than, than anybody could have anticipated at this point, but I'm just saying, uh, if you look at that 22 class on the whole, 
these are the guys that you could probably point at in December last year and say, yeah, they, they might be able to come in and, and have a little bit of an impact. Um, and then, and to, to Fitz's point about filtering out guys, I mean, I think it does one of two things. It either filters guys out or it forces them to be better. It forces them it, it, that push from behind that James Franklin talks about pretty consistently. Uh, I, I think that it starts to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it's it's going to be an interesting storyline to watch this season uh, because he was asked directly about it after that Ohio game. Dave Jones brought up a question where he said, you know, something to the effect of how do you balance that? How do you, how do you yeah. balance, uh, right, like the older guys and your loyalty to older guys, guys who have been in the program for a long time but may be outpaced from an athleticism standpoint or uh, just a football ability standpoint? And Franklin gave the right answer, right? He said, there are guys who are playing right now who won't be playing at the end of the season. And there are guys who aren't playing right now who will be playing at the end of the season. And yeah. it, it is simply about having that process, letting that process play out and, and, uh, and seeing where it takes you. Stephen Light here with the donation of the channel. Thanks, my guy. He's always here. No questions. Just sitting back enjoying the entire week of victory. He's uh, having his his victory parade. Kudos to T. Frank for giving, giving up some Buffalo Bills screen time tonight. I think if you want to know how dedicated I am to this show, I am giving up a primetime game where the Bills are playing well against a good opponent. But that is not what we're talking about. Appreciate the shout out there. We're talking about Penn State football. Um, and, and Dave Jones' question, I think was kind of directed uh, directly at Sean Clifford and that position with Drew Aller. Um, but running back Aller was uh, well, sure. Sure. Running back. But, but it was right after a, a very good performance from, from Drew Aller as well. But that's not my point here. My point is Sean Clifford, 178 yards, two touchdowns, five rushes, 16 yards and a touchdown. And most importantly, according to PFF, he was two of three for 26 yards, and no interceptions when under pressure on Saturday. Uh, Fitz, somebody asked me yesterday, how do you get the good Sean Clifford to show up? And, and how do you evaluate Sean Clifford? I didn't have a good answer for how any of that stuff. So let me ask you, how do you get that Sean Clifford from Saturday to show up more consistently in big games against opponents that are familiar with the Nittany Lions? You schedule Auburn as much as you can, apparently. I think that's the easy way. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, you give him a running game. You take so much off of his plate when you do that. You move th some things around. I love the stuff they did. And, you know, you get the ball to guys like Brenton Strange. I mean, this is Brenton Strange is a guy that we talked about uh, in sort of, uh, you know, just kind of beyond Theo Johnson, behind Tyler Warren all offseason. Theo, uh, Brenton Strange has really come out and done a nice job this year. Uh, he, like I said, he falls forward for more yards than anybody. Um, and it's really, really cool to watch. And I think he was probably Penn State's MVP. But but back to Clifford, I mean, you don't necessarily want Sean Clifford to throw for 350. If he's throwing for 350, that means there's a, you know, a, a hole in the game plan where you just felt you need to scrap and scrap. And, um, you know, we've seen Mike Yersich just rely on the pass, overly rely on the pass at times. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when he's efficient and or when your offense is efficient, it means Clifford's probably throwing less. Um, you try and take those mistakes, um, those, just the, the ones that just keep popping up and they're just the lows are so low with Sean Clifford, like that pick six in Purdue. Um, you, you take those situations out of it and you, you make it a little bit safer for him. And and you don't want to say game manager because, you know, he's going in and he's running and he's going head face or head first into uh, Auburn linebackers on the first drive of the game. 
probably want to avoid that, but the same thing. Um, he's he's smarter than we give him credit for. I think um, you know we we talk about the turnovers all the time, but he's he's done a nice job of managing everything. And you give him a running game, you you've got options. You give him a screen game, you've got more options. And uh, gritty guy deserves a lot of a uh, lot of respect and deserves a lot of credit for what they've been able to do so far. Chris, it makes a good point here. Clifford takes away home field advantage for opponents. And I think going into hostile environments is not something that's going to get over Clifford's head um, and, and noise, all those operational things. A couple times he can get caught by the, the, the clock. But other than that, he's a pretty good, as you, you know, described there, game manager, but all the little things he does pretty well. Uh, Nate, from a narrative perspective. Yeah. How does this... How does this story end? Everyone loves to write the story before it ends, but like considering where he's come from and everything we just laid out, is this team capable of doing all the things that we've talked about and, and helping him in those environments and what has to happen for them to get there? Do you think he's, he's going to be better with the people around him being better. However, let's not lose sight of the fact that the test for Penn state's offensive line is, is going to be tougher. That like, that's not it, right? It's not past. And now everyone's going to say, Oh, well, there's no way that we can get pressure on, on Sean Clifford. Let's, let's take a different approach. No, people are going to keep coming, right? Like they're, they're going to try to figure that out uh, and, and, you know, really challenge Penn state's offensive line. And if they're, if the offensive line is challenged, Sean Clifford's going to be challenged, right? If you, if you look at those stats and say two or three, uh, when under pressure Saturday, that says that he was only pressured and threw the ball three times on Saturday. Bingo. Right? That's <laughs> yeah. That's not going to be the case uh, at or against Ohio State. It might not be the case at Michigan. Uh, you know, uh, you were talking about big games and and how you get that out of him. Like, let's stop acting surprised about this. He played great at Iowa before he got hurt. He played great, at, and I understand that the other side. Okay, fits, yeah, right, you can, yeah. but still was was playing very well. Other, yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, the game Ohio plan St- was absolutely working at that point. At Ohio State, he had a great game last year. Other than the fumble on a sack that yeah transformed the the course of that game. Um, he played great against Auburn last year. Oh, my point just being like this: this should not come as a complete surprise. I think it's about managing this consistency, trying to find a way to come out every week and just have answers because he does feel like there's no question about in, in terms of the, the conversation with Sean Clifford starting this summer, it was, Hey, I feel so much, I feel so much more comfortable because I can diagnose and have an answer for everything that a defense is going to throw at me. Right. And like that, knowledge that that power uh, of feeling like you're prepared for everything I think is is difference making for him but it's also a difference making to have Mitch Tinsley pass on the on the sideline right like to 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 have that ability in your receiver room now they need to keep doing it yeah but to have Mitch Tinsley make that reception to have Brenton Strange Brenton dropped a decent amount of balls last year didn't he yeah, yeah. now he's now he's now he's your safety net. Like and, all, and all breaking of those tackles. Things, by the way, tack- you know, op- another part of this uh, of helping Sean Clifford is taking an average play and making something more out of it, so that you don't have to force the ball down the field all the time. So Correct. I mean, you make a very good point about 
all of those things. And, and, and I think that that's probably a good place to leave that because there's other players and other things we want to talk about. One of the things we need to talk about is today's sponsor of the show, and that is Rogue Shop. So here's how I know how to do this when it comes to talking about uh, sponsors and things like that is I, I relate to things through personal experience. Like I think a lot of you do, and this always comes out weird. So let me just tell you a story this past off season. I didn't go to the gym at all during the football season. I sat here in front of my computer doing shows, podcasts, writing, watching film, uh, probably 10 hours a day. And by the end of the season, my neck didn't feel great. And then all of, a su- all of a sudden, I had nerve damage in my right arm. And I had constant chronic pain for probably two months. So if you have that situation, Rogue Shop is for you. They uh, specialize in holistic medicine uh, from THC to CBD. Tinctures are what we're talking about today. Uh, if you take a tincture, it's uh, it helps for in inflammation, which is all of the problems I just described. Of you irritate a nerve, everything gets inflamed, and now you have nerve pain. If you want to manage all of those things, and it's something that's very uh, Richard is very passionate. The the owner uh, with Shar, his wife of Rogue Shop, is helping people with pain, insomnia, anxiety, things like that. These are these are natural remedies to help you cope with some of those things. And the tinctures take effect in thirty minutes. To one hour they last the same amount of time as the gummies which we talked about before but they're based in droppers so they don't it's the, they, they taste interesting they taste a little bit burnt a little bitter but they put in strawberry flavor flavoring it's got a smoky taste to it uh tinctures whether they're cbd or thc affect the entire body with their effects so cbt tinctures uh, are a great way to reduce the inflammation we talked about throughout the entire body. You, maybe your shoulder, maybe your knees, ligaments, things like that. Rogueshop.com. You can check out uh, them at rogueshop.com. You see their logo up in the corner. Um, spell it R-O-G-U-E and not rouge like I do because I'm dyslexic. Uh, and you'll get uh, 10% off when you use the promo code BWI. So use the promo code BWI. Check out Rogue Shop. And uh, if, if you need help, they can help you. So check all of that out. One of our newest sponsors on the show. Appreciate them. And they're really nice people. Like, I really like talking to Richard. I also really like talking about Penn State football. So I want to get back to the defense here on the YouTube show. If you're watching here, 200 people watching on a Monday night. We're competing with Monday Night Football. I feel like we're doing awesome, guys. Let's go. They're yeah. competing with us. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a very good point. I don't know why I phrased it that way. Uh, Fitz, <laughs> improvement from week one to week three in the defense it was significant last week but what are the areas you think they've improved the most so far as they've get they've gotten more integrated into manny diaz's system i think it's uh first off great great shot on manny diaz because that was very entertaining last week from a schematic standpoint they were freaking all over the field at at all three levels of the uh the defense uh linebackers were tremendous on saturday really enjoyed watching those guys uh specifically the will guys uh curtis jacobs and abdul carter uh what can you say about Abdul Carter? I mean, it's it's funny because you've got two guys that might be your two best linebackers playing at the same spot, and that's something that you know they'll they'll continue to uh, cross train and rep. Uh, it, it's a difficult, it's probably a more difficult situation than you would think it is to try and get both those guys on the field at the same time because you've got Abdul Carter learn the will probably is a future Mike in a perfect yeah. world just can to, can terrorize from that spot. 
Um, but you don't want to switch him in the middle of the season, make him learn a new position. And then Curtis Jacobs played the the field backer position last year, a little bit dif- different in this defense. So, you know, there's there's there would be a learning curve with both of them. And you're three games into the season. I don't know if that's the best time for it. Um, but yeah, they were they were terrific. I thought both Mikes played fairly well against Auburn, more their style of game. Yeah, of course, Auburn didn't run it nearly as much as we thought they would because we thought they were going to run it 60 times. Um, but uh, Elston did fine. Kobe King really came on and did a nice job. And John Sutherland, uh, for for a guy that's been a whipping boy for a long, long time, has really yeah. played some solid football through the first yeah. three weeks. So that linebacker group, the, the numbers are what they are. That's not changing. It's going to be a yeah. thin group throughout the season. Uh, you know, nice to get some snaps from Don DeLuca. Uh, Jamari Budden got out there at the end of the game. But those are the six that you're looking to roll with. But you've gotten more from Abdul Carter probably than you expected. I talked to some people today. He's passed where they thought he would be at this point. I mean, you, you yeah. knew the athleticism was there. You knew the, the twitchiness and all that stuff. Um, but uh, really just getting to the football, the way that he's gotten to the football with his instincts has been, it's been really, really a treat to watch in the first couple of weeks. And I mean, they just kind of l- let him go. And that's usually what you do with like an edge prospect, a defensive end, pin his ears back, go get the quarterback. This is a guy that still has to make uh, reads and still has to be in the right spots uh, for yeah. that whole defense to work. So I think that's the most amazing thing. I mean, he, never really had to read keys as a high school linebacker. That's something that, that you didn't know if he could capture and, and go with right away. But yeah, so far, I mean, the, you have to look, you have to like what you're seeing from those linebackers. Again, uh, it's a long season. Somebody's going to get banged up at some point, but uh, those guys have, have more than held their own. But this was also going back to the original point of playing him at will behind Curtis Jacobs and the kind of situation got there. This is the compromise to getting on the field earlier, was it not? Of the the whole offseason, the the conversation was, is he a Mike? He's probably a Mike. We like him there, but he can get on the field and make these plays if he's at a, a position where he's not setting everything up and having to take command as a true freshman. So in, in terms of, I think he's shown a lot of intelligence going back to even from his junior to his senior season when he transitioned to linebacker and the light turned on, how much more do you think you can give him and can he pick things up and, and are these signs of to come or do you want to just keep him in that role where he can go play? Do you think that that's really the conversation? If you can give him more, it's in the next two weeks. I mean, if you can try and put a little bit more on his plate and maybe dabble out there, you've got an opportunity to in the next two weeks. I, I think that, you know, by the time you get to Michigan, it's it's too little too late. I mean, you, you, you want to see what you have and you want to see maybe a little bit more from Elston and King and 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 try and figure that out. But that's uh, I think that's the beauty of the next couple of weeks. So we've gotten a couple of questions here in the in the live chat about uh, before we get to the Big Ten title, let's take one step at a time about uh, a letdown this week. And it's like, yeah, you could see that, but they're playing so many guys that I think they're going to have an opportunity for those guys to get out there and 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 all make plays. And, and I, I'm not concerned about a loss. I, I don't think central Michigan is very good, maybe a slow start, something like that. But uh, yeah, I think that they, the way that they've cultivated this depth, that, that's probably what the, the, the coaching staff is most uh, happy with is the way that they've been able to play so many players and do it well. I mean, you look at the, all the reps they've gotten in the last couple of weeks, and you have a hard time finding uh, the second string guy who's just completely lost. You get that sometimes, and, and it's yeah. been really entertaining to see guys step up in the secondary. I mean, you've got your backup safeties playing good minutes. You've got your backup linebackers, yeah. 
not quite at a one to one, but a close ratio when you're talking about reps with the starters. And and you know, that's that's pretty cool to see. And guys like Amin Van Over and Deny Dennis Sutton up front. Uh, even I, I'm gonna go back to harping, harping on KJ Winston because in talking to people today, they they really think that he could be up on that level with those super freshmen that they love so far. So I think when you're mm-hmm. talking about a letdown this week, I, I don't see it defensively at least. Maybe some of those touchdown drives that Penn State had turn into field goals or something like that because you've got a bit of a hangover but uh you've got you've also got uh, the big play ability and when you're playing a mac team you're going to get mac athletes and you're going to be able to outrun them with a guy like nick singleton don't give manny diaz another athlete in the secondary don't give him another safety he'll have the 11 safety defense eventually if he can nate uh kind of the same question but is there is there any part of the defense that going through these three games concerns you i know there's been uh Topics of conversation in the chat tonight, going back to the offense about the right tackle, and that's still a work in progress, and they have not found a good resolution so far. But is there anything like that on uh, the defensive side of the ball that you've got your eye on in terms of this could crop up later? Yeah, I'm, certainly Daquan Hardy was uh, a little bit of a target on Saturday. Uh, the Just third and long in general. I mean, I think I ran yeah. the numbers today. They gave up. 10 explosive plays in the first half. Four of them were on third and longs. Uh, yeah. Right. So Hard- that Hardy's given up a two first downs every game on third and long so far this season. So it's a concern. W- one of them was, I-, I watched the replay today. One of them was a ridiculous catch, like just a it- great catch. So like, let's, let's balance this and make sure that, y- y- you know, I-, I-, I don't think that uh, some of the things that Terry Smith said this off season, about Daquan Hardy are wrong, right? Like they have expectations for him. And I think that maybe he's, he's got to fight through uh, let's call it a loss of confidence at the moment, but I think that he'll still be able to, to do some, some good things as the season goes along. Um, But, but no, I mean, outside of that, I I think the thing that struck me on Saturday was that the timeliness of the playmaking, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Curtis Jacobs sack on third down, Right. Or was it second down? Uh, but in the red zone. Right. Uh, yeah. Had a, had a pretty crucial sack. Um, they, they just it, again, <laughs> the, the formula has not changed. Try to force teams into third and long. Don't give up the explosive play. That's a touchdown. That's a backbreaker. Yeah. They gave up those those four explosive plays for first downs on third downs, but they, they still were able to hold. Right. And so it, it just comes back around to, to the point where you're able to do what Jalen Reed did force an interception that Zaki Wheatley made that play. But, you, you know, you're able, the more shots that you get at it, the more opportunities that these guys get, they're, they're going to come through at some point. And they showed that on Saturday. I, I got to tell you. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. And on that point, if you look at some of these key plays, the turnovers and things like that, You've got guys on other areas in other areas of the field in the right spot. You mentioned Jalen Reed running down uh, the, the end of the first quarter. I think it was the pick you were talking about was the key Wheatley. Daquan Hardy's out in front of the quarterback, basically stringing him out like it's a yeah. like it's an edge run play, like a defensive end. That's an yeah. amazing play for a nickel cornerback to make. TJ Finley's got nowhere to run. He just decides to throw it or do whatever he was doing with it. And Zaki Wheatley just 
uh, is is a yeah. magnet. The I don't even know why he was there, but it was just a. He should have been. He should. He should been. not no. have been. Yeah. But if you look at that, you look at the Jair Brown's pick. Just there's guys in the right spots, not necessarily around the ball, but in the right spots to make those happen. And I think that's the the thing that you look at. You, you talk about being aggressive. You talk about this defense being able to force turnovers. It's not just the guys being around the ball. It's the guy that turns the quarterback back into the pocket and makes yep. uh, things like that. And and they got away from that a little bit in the first half. Those quarterbacks were able to scramble, um, you know, get get. I know there was a lot of talk about a spy, but just getting somebody in the front of that pocket would would have done wonders. But uh, yeah, I think they they came around. Guys like Adisa Isaac, Adisa Isaac was phenomenal on Saturday. Uh, Chop Robinson has been a pretty incredible uh, yeah. addition because they they thought he was talented. They've loved him since he was a high school prospect. I don't think that they thought that he would be this ready to go three weeks into the season as a consistent pass rusher. Still has some work to do, um, you know, playing the run, but you love the activity, especially from that defensive end position, which is not their deepest position. And it's not a position that they thought was there's one of their strongest spots going into the season. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, chop Robinson was going to be the next guy I wanted to talk about. Great uh, place to, to insert him in here is Nate. How, good has Penn State been this isn't even a question this is a statement I want you to agree with me with <laughs> how good has Penn State been in the portal with Arnold Ebikidi and then uh following up with Chop Robinson because uh, Fitz is exactly right as far as like exceptional pass rusher explosive hard to block can they bottle this and and can they transition this to other positions and how much of an advantage has it been for Penn State to be able to do this yeah, I mean, look, so far, so good, certainly. The, the transfer portal is still, you know, relatively young. But, yeah, I mean, I think that they've had the ability to identify talent. And, look, this is one of those things where success begets success, right? If you are able to point at – James Franklin brought it up this offseason with Hunter Norzad. He said, hey, Eric Wilson had a great experience at Penn State, a uh, guy who came from the Ivy League and was able to to get some some reps and play at Penn State, got, got great experience – uh, that helped them with Hunter Norzad. Chop Robinson will help Penn State with the next guy, whoever whoever yeah. that is, right? Uh, like that that is just going to be the reality of how this works in the transfer portal. Um, certainly, you know they're going to have to balance against too much, but it's not like you look at that room and say to yourself, okay, well they, they just they're overflowing with talent at defensive end. It's still the numbers are still somewhat short there and so yeah that's that's a spot where you can see they're going to probably have an opportunity to to go out and get somebody yeah they're uh, going to be they're going to be acting sorry t frank i keep doing that to you i apologize all good man nature all good they're going to be i think more active in the portal this year they've done a nice job of of you know consolidating their resources getting the right people there and their scouting reports you know i mentioned it before uh the murphy twins at ucla that were targets are having a great season for for a bad team but great season uh jacoby winman uh the linebacker slash edge player at michigan state was the national player of the week defensive player of the week he was probably their top target early on um so they've done a nice job of identifying the guys that that really could could i don't want to say uh, sound you know just above everything, but could play here and and a, and a, and looking at the guys that would not make a difference and and I think it's very easy to look at the portal and say Penn State needs a linebacker. Let's go after Shane Lee. He played at Bama. He he could play at Penn State, right? And that's not necessarily as simple as that. So they've done a great job with those evaluations. I, I think they're prepping themselves for a bigger haul this year. You look at 
Um, you know, there's still questions. I know you, I know Nate really wanted to dive into uh, the receiver questions that they have when you asked him and then you flipped it and you said it was defense, um, but receivers there, DN, D tackle, uh, always going to look at an offensive lineman, preferably a tackle. So you could, you know, see five or six transfers here in this off season. And, and so far Penn state has earned the benefit of the doubt when it comes to evaluating these players. It's the BWI daily edition. We're here live on YouTube. Matt has a question here. I'm going to circle back and we're going to finish off the defense with this particular thought. Before that, I do want to say shout out to Johnny Dixon, who has been not just a good corner and folds into that conversation with the transfer portal of Chop Robinson still has a lot of eligibility before Penn State had been going after some one year guys fill some holes. But Johnny Dixon came in with a lot of talent. He didn't win a starting job. He stayed at uh, in Happy Valley and look at the fruits of him as not only a cover corner, but he had a key tackle on a bounced run and he's become a very effective blitzer. So bringing in that talent, sometimes it's not it doesn't have to hit right away for it to be an effective get. But to that question about pass rush and Manny Diaz being very aggressive, Matt asks, I'm assuming Penn State defense was not planning on uh, TJ Finley running as much as he did. Will running beat QBs be a problem schematically moving forward? Fitz, do you have a thought on that as far as that being a weakness when they get against guys that can that got some wheels that can scoot and not just Finley who can break the pocket and get some yards. Yeah. Finley's also six, seven, two fifty. So I don't know running quarterbacks, the right way to go about it, but he, he yeah. took what, what they gave him and uh, really did a nice job. Um, you know, I know it wasn't anybody from Auburn's best game, but did a nice job of, of taking that and picking up chunks of yardage. <clears throat> I think it's something that you have to take a look at and take uh, and, and be worried about. You look at, you mentioned JJ McCarthy. He can, he can run a little bit. You've got guys in the big 10 that can run a little bit. I don't think you're seeing, any of those old option quarterbacks or anything like that on the schedule, but you know, you, you can't let those guys get out of the pocket. You can't let them get ahead of you. So I think that is something to sort of sew up. And, you know, sometimes that's a risk that, that Manny Diaz wants to take bringing guys off the edge, bringing those corners. You mentioned Johnny Dixon as a blitzer, which was certainly something uh, worth noticing in the first couple of weeks. And that does open things up for, for a quarterback run. So some of it might be self-inflicted, but yeah, I think that that's something they do have to, to worry about. I don't think it's a necessarily a situation where you can say, Oh, so-and-so has a running quarterback. They're going to, you know, just run all over Penn state. Um, but it, it's something to be aware of. I think that's probably the right way to, to, to attack it. Uh, so we've covered everything here at the end of the show. We're coming up at the end of the BWI daily edition. Just a couple more things. Uh, tight ends. Let's, let's, let's go there. Cause I think the receiver position, unless Nate, you really have some deep thoughts about the receivers uh, and everything shaking out there. No, I have no thoughts. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so the, the tight ends, Theo Johnson comes back. Um, doesn't make a huge impact, but his presence being out there, Penn State was in some three tight end sets with a sixth offensive lineman. They they went full heavy in these situations. How do you guys gauge his impact in his first week in returning? And how do you see that shaking out as he gets more integrated into the offense? Nate, I'll start with you on that question. What do you, what do you think about the, the tight end room with how it's played so far? Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I'm not sure that it matters right now, right? If Brenton if Brent Strange is coming off the game that he he did, yes, it increases your options. I mean, I think that some of this is there is only, uh, you know, one ball, certainly. And so Theo Johnson is going to get targets as he comes back and as he starts to make a presence. But um, yeah, I mean, I, th I just think if Mike Yersich has shown anything and if we're to take anything from these first three games – as opposed to last season in its entirety, it's that the more 
ingredients that you give this cook in the kitchen, the the cooler the stuff he can make, right? Like there's, there's just more options for him and more things that he can do as he has those, those pieces of the puzzle. And Theo Johnson absolutely represents a, a solid receiving option that Penn State can have. Can Penn State go two tight end sets? Might they go three at times? Like, I, you know, I think that there are things that he's going to play with that will keep teams off balance. You can see the way that they want to do it. Uh, and so he he will have those at his disposal and will probably have some success with it. Fitz, any, anything to add there with the tight ends and, and how that's shaking out? And does it go back to the idea of depth and competition where somebody isn't playing up to that level? There's There's three of them. Somebody's got to make plays. Yeah, I mean, for, for through the first couple of weeks, you just had Brenton Strange and Tyler Warren. I don't think Tyler Warren's played up to snuff uh, over the first three weeks of the season, yep. considering the expectations that I think he had for himself and the coaching staff had for him. So it is about competition. It is about getting in there. Theo provides something a little bit different with that size and that pedigree. Um, and and you can say all you want about uh, you know recruiting stars going away and things like that when they get to campus, and they do. But it also makes those coaches aware. When Theo Johnson showed up at practice last week, Auburn had to, you know, put, you know, spend a little bit more time on film, spend a little bit more time on prep. So that's what these tight ends do for you. In addition to changing for changing your formations, changing the way that you can attack. And, you know, let's look at Brenton Strange as a blocker. Last year, if they got a chip on somebody, that was you know, probably one of their better plays this year, yeah. they're getting a little bit more body on them. They're getting, um, you know, just getting a little bit more, uh, just a little bit more space. And that's what these running backs need. And they're turning it into, uh, what Nick Singleton's got five runs longer than Penn state's longest run last year in the, in the last two games. Is that what, is that where we're at right now? Um, it, it, it's just those little things that add up. And, and, and I think that the tight ends are coming along still room to improve. Uh, I was impressed with strange, but, Johnson gives you something a little bit different and Warren gives you different options to move around in different formations and things like that. So encouraged, but still waiting for a little bit more for those guys. I think, and this will be my closing thought, uh, the offense and what they're able to do this year coming out of, I guess, going into the final game of the non-conference season, the offensive systems are all healthy. Last year we had serious conversations about the running game and specific you know, blocking schemes in the running game, not working certain things with receivers and relying on everything seems to, and as Nate pointed out, Mike Yersich has a lot of tools to work with and he's using them in a very diverse way. That's helping the quarterback. That's helping the running back and the running back is helping everybody else. So uh, it is a very good place to be in heading into the final non-conference game, setting up for a big 10 run. Uh, any last thoughts from you guys, Nate, we'll start with you and we'll finish with Fitz. Score points. That's it. Score points. Those have been your final thoughts for a year and a half. (laughs) That's it. it. Because when you, I mean, I just, I can't get over the, like, the, the sentiment always seems to be, oh, we can't stop this, right? There's this apparent weakness. We can't stop this. Every defense gives up something. There is something that someone can, like, that's the whole thing that we're talking about with Mike Yersich is that Mike Yersich has an answer for anything that a a defense is going to throw at him. It's just a matter of whether or not what that answer is for Penn State has the right personnel to pull it off, right? So, So everyone can do something, right? It's simply a matter of can they do it right enough to score as many points 
as they're going to need to keep up with Penn State's offense? And the answer through three games is no. And so as long as Penn State's offense is able to have the type of explosiveness that it does through three games, and that's in every area of the field, and I think there are major questions at receiver as to whether or not that that can continue or be at the level that it needs to be moving forward. But other than that, if you get the same type of play out of your quarterback, if you get at least the same type of play that you've seen so far out of the receivers, and you get this injection that you have at tight end and certainly at running back and the offensive line, you're in business. That's it. I'm done. Fitz, take us out. You're so profound. You're like a miniature Buddha in plaid. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Stop it. Um, no, I mean, here's the thing. We've been talking, what, 47 and a half minutes right now about how great this team has been. I think there's still room for improvement. There are things to to patch up. There are things that they need to work on. And, and while you, if you're a Penn State fan, do need to enjoy this win because not only, you know, we talked Auburn. If the first place you go is that Auburn is bad, then I don't think you're handling this one right because Penn State just went in and, and, and knocked them out, did what they had to do. But there is still room for improvement. There's still room to tighten it up. And when you get to the big, the, the top of the Big Ten, we got people asking us about Big Ten championships and things like that that margin of error becomes so much smaller, um, especially against Ohio state, as you've seen countless times. Um, and then you go to Michigan and and that's a tough place to play as well. So I think that while we are high off of that win and deservedly so, and I think that's a win we're celebrating, there are things that they need to, if they're going to be a championship caliber team, that things that they need to clean up. Uh, I think we did a, a nice job uh, really covering our basis here, but I think uh, I think that's the thing to take away from it is you want to see them become a great team. I don't think they're a great team yet, but you yep. want to see that become because they have the pieces in place to do so. We'll see over the next couple of weeks how that is trending. And we'll talk about it here on the BWI live show on Monday night. Join us at 8 p.m. here Eastern on Mondays for the live show so you can ask your questions and uh, talk with us here about Penn State football. For Sean Fitz and for Nate Bauer, I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We have an awesome podcast listening group. Love you guys as well. We'll be back tomorrow.